0: just can we just worship him just for a few more moments just to worship and just to, to, to that the Lord would that we would just be able to express our hearts even without the music right now that we can just express our hearts. I, I, I really believe in that song that that song this morning those words are, are speaking to us right now and going to continue to speak through us as we go along in, in our gathering this morning, but can we just, can we just come with an attitude of, of readiness and preparation that, that, that the Lord is desiring for us to go deeper in our commitment to him? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And your word says that every knee... Will bow and every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that you are Lord of all, to the glory of God the Father. Oh, may we do that now, Lord. May we bend our knee now, presenting ourselves before you. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for the tomb. Thank you for the blood that you shed for us. The sacrifice that you made. A greater has no man than this that he would lay his life down for his friends. May we, Lord, reciprocate that love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, worship team, music ministry. Thank you so much this morning. We're going to ask the ushers to come as we continue to worship the Lord and and, um, how many this morning would say that God is a God who's blessed me if he's blessed you this morning we're going to uh, have an opportunity to give back to the Lord and honor the Lord with our giving this morning our tithe and our offering and um, we're going to We're going to stand... Could could we just... Could we do that? Could we stand one more time before we turn the Word? Uh, We're just going to read this together, declare this together. I like this, and the reason why I like this is because it is indicating that this is what this is... This is part of the... Part of our worship, but it's also part of God's economy. How many understand that we're partnering with, with Jesus for the global mission of bringing revival and renewal not only to the church, but to bring life in the kingdom of God to a world that needs the the kingdom of God. Amen? And so I like this because we declare this together, that as we receive today's offering, we are believing you for heaven open, earth invaded, storehouses unlocked, and miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, declaration, impartation, and divine manifestations anointings, giftings, and calls, positions and promotions, provisions and resources to go to the nations, souls and more souls from every generation, saved and set free, carrying kingdom revival. Thank you, Father, that as I join my value system to yours, you will shower favor, blessing, and increase upon me so that I may have more than enough to co-labor with heaven to see Jesus get His full reward, hallelujah! And God bless you as you partner with Him this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. My uh, daughter was taken to the taken a, with a little checkup this week, and um, we were told. Um, we were told that I'm going to be taller than she is when she grows up. Yeah. And, uh, but then I just, I I looked online to check out the, um, you know, about my, where my height is and just kind of seeing where, where my growth chart would be for on the male side of the spectrum. And I'm somewhere probably sitting between the 25th and the 30th percentile. So uh, if it's 30th, that means about 70% of guys around the world are taller than me. So, it's great to have somebody that's going to be a little shorter in the family. <laughs> Praise God. So I'm I'm here so I can see you well, and you can see me. Uh, the last time I had my height checked, uh, said I was 172 centimeters. I went to the doctor uh, for a checkup for our, our new doctor, Dr. Hud, and she measured. I think they measured me at 171 centimeters. So. Not only am I short, I'm getting shorter. So I'm not sure why that's working that way. But um, that's just the way that it is. So I can see you, you can see me. This morning I want to share um, a message. You can see it on the screen. Thank you, Ryan, for getting that slide up. Um, I'm still a work in progress with this this Proclaim and Logos and all those wonderful tools that they give you that you can't use because you don't know how to use them. But uh, thanks for that slide up there. So that's, that's my title my message this morning, is a new attitude, a new attitude. And we're going to be looking uh, together in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. It's on the screen there. And Paul writes to the Philippians. He said, if you have any encouragement, therefore, if you have, I, I better turn around, make sure I get the words just right. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in Spirit and of one mind. He goes on to say, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And in your relationships with one another, now remember, he's speaking to the church at Philippi. So I want us this morning to Take this on and say, this is applying to us here at Maple Street. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And I think, do we miss... I think we missed that right there. Yeah, I definitely want to hit that. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing... By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God has exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Praise his name this morning. Once again, Lord, we just ask for your help. We ask, Lord Jesus, that the words that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi this morning would be found applicable in our setting, in our context, in our time. We ask, Lord, that we would heed your word this morning that we would desire to walk in step with the spirit who authored these words lord we thank you for the spirit moving and breathing to bring inspiration to the to the numerous writers who compiled this holy writ and so we pray lord that as your spirit has spoken In times past, Lord, giving guidance and direction that, Lord Jesus, we would hear your spirit this morning speak speak to each and every one of our hearts with a fresh voice, a fresh message. May this be applied to our lives. May this be applied to this church that gathers here, to this body of believers. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen, a new attitude. Anybody ever notice that we ever need a, an attitude adjustment. Have you ever known somebody that needs an attitude adjustment? Well, there was a guy who, was, who received a parrot as a gift, and the parrot was fully grown, and he had a really bad attitude, and he had a really vile, vile language. He had a bad mouth. Every other word was profanity. And he was very rude. And so the man tried to change the bird's attitude by constantly saying polite words and playing soft music, but the the bird's attitude didn't want to change. So he yelled at the bird, and things got worse. And so he shook the bird, and the bird became madder, and he became ruder. And finally, when he got real desperate enough, he decided to put the parrot in the freezer so he would get some peace. And so he, when the bird was in, the parrot was in the freezer, he heard the, bear, the parrot squawking. He was, he was uh, swearing, saying all kinds of bad stuff, kicking and screaming on the inside of the freezer. And then all of a sudden, it got real quiet. Got real quiet. And so he was kind of afraid. The man was kind of afraid that maybe something had happened to the birds. So he opened up the freezer door, and the parrot calmly stepped out of the freezer and he went right onto the man's arm that was extended and he was very calm the parrot was very calm and he said to the man he said I am very sorry that I offended you with my language and my actions and I ask for your forgiveness and I will endeavor it's pretty good for a parrot eh to correct my behavior and I am sure it will never happen again could you imagine the look on this guy's face? He was just astounded at what came out of his parrot's mouth. Because immediately, this was a total transformation that happened to this parrot. And so, he, so uh, <clears throat> this change in the bird's attitude. And so, he wanted to know, you know, the man was very curious. And so, the parrot continued after he had said all those things. He said, and by the way, he said, could I ask you, what did the turkey do? You're getting that? That's good. You're getting that? It's good. How many understand this morning that many of us were like the parrot before it we went in the freezer? <laughs> many of us were like that before, we went in the, before the parrot went in the freezer. How many understand this morning that when we come to Jesus, when we ask him to be the Lord and Savior of our lives, that when we receive him that we have a new birth, that we are born again, that we are new creations in Christ Jesus, that we receive a new heart. There is a transformation that takes place. And that transformation is ongoing as well. But how many know that God does a work by the Spirit in our hearts and in our lives? And it should result in a totally different outlook, a totally different attitude than what we had when we began or before we knew Jesus. In fact... That attitude should come, that new heart should come with a totally different set of values, a totally d- different set of, of mission and purpose in our lives. There should be a totally different uh, moral and ethical system because we are living in the kingdom of God. We have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son. So there should be a change. Anybody agree with that this morning? But how many understand that sometimes that takes also, not only is there transformation that's happening, but how many know that there's times when we need to have a check in our spirit? There's times when our lives can still be characterized by pride. There can be still selfishness. There can be the idea of a looking out for number one attitude. We can be very individualistic, self-centered, and so on. And the thing about this is that in Paul's time, in Paul's day, That there were a number of problems at the church at Philippi. And when Aphrodite brought Paul a gift from the church, we find that he also brought a negative report to the church, or from the church. One of the things we notice is that there was division in the church, and it threatened the unity of the church there in that city. Number one, there were false teachers. And number two, there was disagreement among the members. And one of the things that Paul was trying to bring as he's writing this second chapter, is he's focusing on this concept of unity. Unity. But how many know this morning there's a difference between unity and uniformity? There's a difference between unity and uniformity. Uniformity says we got to be like everybody else. And as I look around this morning, we're not all exactly alike. We look different. We have different heights. Some of us are tall. Some of us are shorter. We are all dressed a little different. We all have different personalities, and that's all fine. We all have different giftings, abilities, talents, etc. And that's okay. Anybody agree? You say that's a good thing. Diversity is actually a good thing. But unity, unity is another thing. Unity is a result of a changed heart. And I want to say this this morning, is that you can't have true spirituality if there isn't unity in the body. That's a fact. Unity is extremely important. It's a result of a changed heart. It can't be regulated. It's a result of a heart change when we are right with Christ and our relationships are right with one another. And it's interesting, and I, and I believe that, uh, I, I think that if Paul were here today, that he would, he would, he would his desire, and I believe that it's God's desire, that every single church that bears the name of Jesus would function in such a way that we walk in fellowship with the Spirit, but we also walk in unity with one another. How many would agree that would be something that we would find in the Word of God? Paul says this. He says that we should have the same mind, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. I want to say that again. The same mind, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Now, I want us to think about that for a moment. This one in them are the, having the same mind. In other words, that we would have the same vision. We wouldn't have two visions. That's division. But we would have the same vision. We would have the same mission. We would have the same values. We'd have the same goals, the same love. For God and one another and even the kind of love that Jesus has for those who are even outside of this fellowship this morning. One in spirit and one in purpose. What is the purpose? Think about it for a moment. Ask yourself the question. What is the purpose of this particular body of believers here at Maple Street Worship Center this morning? What does God have us here for? Why are we here? Why do we exist? Why are the lights on this morning? Why do we gather on Sundays to worship? Why do we do these things? Why do we put money in the offering plate? Why? It's an important question to ask. Because I believe what Jesus told us 2,000 years ago is that we have a calling on us. Amen? We have a calling. And we also have an anointing. How many believe this morning that the Spirit is here to anoint and equip so that we can be about the mission and the vision that Jesus had for this world? And it's very simple. We discover it in Matthew 28. We see it in Mark 16. We see it in Acts chapter 1. That Jesus told us that we are to go and make disciples of all nations. Get that. We are to go and make disciples. Making disciples is the imperative. Making disciples. To win people to Jesus to see them filled with the Spirit, to see them growing in their faith and their walk with God. To equip them to disciple others, to be his witnesses. So Jesus tells his disciples in Acts chapter 1. Where? He told them in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. How many know this morning that the calling on this particular church is in the town of Vegarville and surrounding areas? That's the context in which we find ourselves. That's our mission but how many understand that to do that together means that we have to be pulling together? I don't know if you ever remember this or not. Maybe you, you never sang this when you were ever in Sunday school. I, was, I grew up in the church, going to church since I was four years old. And there used to be a little Sunday school song that we were taught. And it went like this. It was, when we all pull together, together, together. You ever hear that one? If you heard it, just lift your hand so I don't feel so alone. Thank you. When we all pull together, how happy we'll be for your work is and our work is. When we, when some of us pull together and some of us fight with each, is, is that how the song goes? No. No. But it's when we all pull together, how upset, angry, frustrated. No. How happy we'll be. It's amazing how much theology is crammed into a little Sunday school song. But how many know its truth? Can you say Amen? It's okay if you talk back. I love when people talk back to me. I don't mean sass me. But they talk back. I won't. That's good. No, not like the parrot. If if you have any comments like the parrot, we we can meet later on. Okay. Yeah, that's right. After after you know you you can meet me on uh, yeah later on. So the question is this, this morning, as we're moving along here, is what was the kind of attitude that Jesus had? How many believe he's our template? He's our model. He's our example. I want to highlight a few things this morning. Number one, his attitude was one of selfishness. Verse 5, your attitude, meaning your mind, your thinking, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, Paul says to the Philippians. He says, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. One writer said that humility is that grace that when you know you have it, you have lost it. It's kind of like the guy who was awarded the Humility Medal by his co-workers, but they had to take it away from him because he kept wearing it around every day. Andrew Murray said this, he said that the humble person is not the one who thinks meanly of himself, he simply does not think of himself at all. Wise words. You see, one of the obvious problems in the church of Philippi was selfishness. Selfishness. And the reason it was obvious, because outlook determines outcome. If the outlook is selfish, the actions will be divisive and destructive. It reminds me of a conversation one time I had with a ministry colleague. He told me that he was serving as an interim pastor and that the church was, he was serving was going to vote on whether that church or not was going to stay affiliated with a particular denomination. And the reason why? He said the former pastor had bad talk the denomination they were affiliated with, he had bad-talked the district, he had bad-mouthed the leadership, and it had left such a bad taste in the mouths of the members that half the church sided with the pastor and half the church sided with the denomination. So what's the result? What you have is a weakened, divided church, no longer one in mind, one in spirit, one in purpose. And the reason is because outlook determines outcome. So what does Paul go on to say? He says that Christ is the ultimate example of selfless humility. Look what he says in verse 3. Do nothing out of what selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So here he was. He was saying that Jesus, the one who has purchased our salvation, the one who was hanging on a Roman cross, the Jesus who walked, he ate, he talked, he bled, and he died, not only fully man, but he was fully God. In all He had all glory and all the praise of the angels in heaven we sang about that this morning, of how Jesus didn't want, his desire was for us, so he brought heaven down. Jesus stepped out of the glory of heaven, and all the splendor, and all the praise, and all the adoration of the angels, because he was fully God, and he stepped down into this dark and broken world. And here's what it says. Paul says he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. In other words, he was willing to allow it to be released. And the reason he did it was because he was in submission to the will of the Father. How many know this morning that unless, if Jesus had not submitted to the will of the Father, we wouldn't be here this morning? If Jesus didn't submit, if Jesus didn't set aside... Friends, I want you to understand, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, this was not an easy thing. He knew what was coming. He knew that the full wrath of God, the cup, And so Jesus in that moment allowed himself to bear the full weight of our sin and the consequences of our sin. Because though he was fully God, he was found clothed in humanity. Why? Because he was walking in submission to the will of the Father. Not for his sake, but for ours. Not for his glory, but so that we could share in his glory so being humble and being in submission is not a bad thing it's a very good attitude to have and the reason he did it was so that we could be included we so that the plan of redemption could go forward so that we could have that experience that we talked about, that transforming new birth that could change our hearts, change our destinies, so that no longer are we headed for a pit called hell, but so that we can share in the glory of heaven with him. Isn't that a good thing this morning? That's a good thing. That's a good attitude to have. David Stone, he was a minister at Southeastern or Southeast Christian Church, he told the story about Bob Russell, and uh, who was his friend and his mentor. And David Stone said that he hired, uh, uh, Russell had hired him and shared the preaching back in uh, 1989. And at that time, to have somebody come on to uh, share in the preaching and being a, a preaching team was, was something that was a bit, a bit unheard of. And he said that when a church experiences dynamic growth, most preachers think, this is because of me. And since it's because of me, I need to be up front more. I need to be doing most of the preaching. But he said that Bob's humble attitude said that this is dangerous to have a church focused on one personality. And so instead he said, I need to be up front less. And so he hired me to preach a little more each year. And he said that one day after I'd been there for about a year, we were in the car heading someplace and he said, can I ask something? He said, was it tough of you to give up some of that spotlight and begin to share your pulpit with a 27-year-old kid? And he said, sure, it was tough. But it came down to this. I had to ask myself this question. Am I at Southeast Christian for Bob Russell? Or am I here for Jesus Christ. Great question. Great question. See Bob Russell understood his role and his mission. He understood that he was working for Jesus. He wasn't working for Bob Russell. And how many this morning as we do an introspection of our own hearts, maybe that same question could be asked of ourselves. What are we here for? What are we here for? Are we here for ourselves? I remember there was a couple that was attending our church in, in Windsor, Nova Scotia. And uh, we were, you know, we, they were there for some time. And I remember getting a, a message from them. And, and they were asking me this question. They said, what are you going to do to keep us? And my answer was nothing. You see, how many understand that today we have a a world that wants us to treat the church like it's a store? It's like Walmart. And so I come, and I pop in my offering. And so, as a consumer, I should get what I want and what I feel that I need. Now, if that were Bob Russell's attitude, how many know that he wouldn't have wanted to share the pulpit with David Stone? Because he would have perceived that this is all about me. It's all about my desires. It's all about my ambitions. But he recognized that that was not why he was there. He was there to serve. Because Jesus came to serve and not be served. And that's, not, that's, the, uh, that's a total opposite attitude that the world says. The world says, this is my rights. The world says, this is my privileges. Or not, my, not my privileges, but my rights, my freedoms. And I should get what I deserve. Instead of saying, no, I'm, a, I'm, I'm here. I'm here in this body of believers. I'm here in this temple of living stones that God is forming because God has a place for me in the wall. He has a place for me on the team. And I'm here because I want God to use me in this team so that we can pull together... Toward what God desires. How many understand it's not what I desire. It's not what you desire. It's not any individual here. It's what Jesus desires. And folks, that should be the attitude that we have this morning. Because that's that's the attitude Jesus had. Was that of a servant. Because look what it says in verse 7. But he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. Al Moody said this, and I think this is pretty good. He said that the measure of a man is not how many servants he has, but how many men he serves. And we find that in the 13th chapter of John, that we see Jesus and the disciples they are in the upper room, and it's the night before Jesus is crucified, and Jesus wants to impress upon his followers the importance of being a servant and having the attitude of servanthood. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus takes a towel, wraps it around his waist. He takes a bowl of water, and he begins to perform the, lowliest ser- the task of the lowliest servant in the household. And he washes the feet of his followers. Look what it says in John 13. If you get your Bible, verse 12, it says, Then when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And here's what he said. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. I can tell you you would not want to wash my feet. My, I used to think I had this. I know this is a little side note. But when we were dating, I don't know what struck me, but it was the craziest thing. For some reason, I thought that I had decent-looking feet. And I don't know what I was trying to do. I must have, been out of, you know, must have fallen out of a tree or something because I, for some reason, I don't know why, and I, I, this might be embarrassing to me, that's okay, I, for some reason, decided to take off my sock and show my wife that I had a nice-looking foot. Only to discover, I mean, she burst at my balloon when she looked at me and she said, you've got like witch's toes. (laughs) I, I know all about Aiden's feet, our youngest son. I'm glad he showers and washes his own feet. But can you imagine, but just follow me from it. Can you imagine for a moment here? that you're not wearing socks and sneakers. This is sandals, and this is the dirt and the dust of walking through the communities, through the fields, through the towns, through the pathways. And you know what it's like in the summer when you're wearing sandals, right? You're wearing sandals, and you're outside. Your feet are going to be filthy. And yet Jesus does this very act And he washes their feet. And here's what he said. You also should wash one another's feet. Now, I realize that there's a denomination that practices foot washing. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to do that today. So just relax. But I thought about this. and And I thought, you know, that's not entirely a bad thing to do now and again. Because it's an act of humility and it's an act of service. And so here was Jesus saying, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. In other words, you will be blessed if you understand that just as I am a servant, you are to be servants also. And what does that mean? It means that we put other people ahead of ourselves. That's very difficult when we take the cues of the world who say it's all about my rights. And we're very individualistic. We only think mainly of what's good for me. But I want you to understand this morning, the reason why this was so frustrating for Paul at the church of Philippi is that Paul understood that God was forming. He was calling out a people out of the darkness. He was calling them and bringing them together to become God's very own people. A people that would endeavor to be like him. And so just like the Father, the Son, and the Spirit have a perfect unity, a perfect harmony, a perfect um, vision, there's no division in the the Holy Trinity, that God wanted us to correspond to who He is, to His triunity. And then show that, the rest of the world, that this is what life is like when you've been transformed by Christ. This is what happens when you're transformed by Christ. But how many know this morning that if we did that, it would change things big time? If we walked in that manner, it would change things big time. And you know what's interesting is that is not something the enemy wants to see happen. No, what the enemy wants to do is like in that Sunday school song when we all pull together. He doesn't want us to pull together. He doesn't want us to have synergy. He doesn't want us to go in the same direction, go after what God desires for us to do. Because if we do, then we just might accomplish something fantastic together. People might begin to look at the church and say, wow, I wish I could be a part of a family like that. No, no, the devil doesn't want us to have great relationships. He doesn't want us to serve and love one another, pray for one another, bear one another's burdens. He doesn't want us to have that kind of attitude. He doesn't want us to be like Jesus. He wants those to look inside and say, oh, there's the same problems, there's the same frustrations, there's the same struggles, so why be a part of that? And how many know that if that is something that we struggle with, how many know that if we can get this right, the church can be a beautiful thing? It can be a beautiful thing. It can be transforming. It can be a powerful force in the community. But here's the attitude, folks, we need to have. Never, the attitude is this, just like Jesus had in the garden. Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. Verse 3. because he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Point 3. His attitude was sacrificial. Verse 8, he said, Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He made himself nothing. In other words, he emptied himself. Theologians would say, and I know they debate this a little bit, but some would say that he laid aside the independent use of his own attributes as God. That he became human, sinless, in a sinless perfect body, that he used that body to be a servant. In, In fact, the Greek word, We'll take this a little further so you get this. This is quite a word. When you get into the Greek, it's actually due loss. It actually means that when it came to being a servant, Jesus was actually a slave, a slave to the will of the Father. And he took that body and he allowed it to be brutally tortured, cat and nine tails. Ripping the chunks of flesh from the bone, spikes driven into his hands and his feet, and he allowed that body to be crucified, arrested like a common criminal, ridiculed and beaten, stripped of his clothing, nailed to a cross in front of a crowd, and it was not just any death. It was painful, visible, memorable, and it was humiliating. And folks, he didn't do it for fun. He didn't do it to be recognized, to have a standing ovation. He didn't do it to get a pat on the back. He didn't get it to have his name put into the bulletin or on the front of the church sign. But what he did is he became a slave, obedient to even death on a cross. And he didn't do it to get a thank you or a great job. No, instead he poured out his life. He paid the ultimate price and his motive was love. His motive was love for those who may not even love him back. He loved the drunkard. Loves the wife abuser. He loves the junkie. He loves the prostitute. He loves the AIDS victim. He loves the homosexual. He loves the worst and vilest sinner. Folks, he did it because he loves us. And he bore that cross as a slave. The Bible says that greater love is no man than this, and to lay down his life for his friends. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And when I apply that to my life, what does that mean? It means that to have great love for my friends or my enemies, I need to be willing to lay my life down for them. Did you catch that this morning? That if I love my friends and even my enemies, that I am willing to lay down my life for them. I'm willing to lay down my ambitions. I'm willing to lay down everything for the sake of others. I'm willing to live a sacrificial life just as Jesus did. And so to have the mind and the attitude of Christ is to live a sacrificial life. It's not living in such a way that we only give God minimum wage. Minimum wage of our time, our energy, our talents, our skills, or our money. But instead, we would we would in being like Jesus, we will give all for the sake of His glory and the kingdom. Oh, what a challenge that is! One writer said this: that if members of historically Christian church in just the United States alone raised their giving to the Old Testament minimum standard of ten percent, that it would it would bring in additional. $139 billion a year that would be available to assist in Christian based mission work. Just one country. Wow. Wow. Are we living a sacrificial life? If we want to be like Jesus, why not begin that today? To have that attitude. Finally, and this is where I'm closing. His attitude was one of submission. And as I said before, submission is not a bad thing. And it says, and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Verse 9, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. His one was an attitude of submission. How many can see in that text that there's no elevation, there's no exaltation without first submission? Jesus showed us that in his life and his death. There was a a man who wrote in his autobiography, it was titled A Life in Our Times. And he talked about the devotion of a lady by the name of Emily Gloria Wilson, his family's housekeeper. And it was a really tiresome day, and he said that I asked, this guy's name is John, so John. John said he asked Emily to hold all telephone calls while he had a nap. And shortly thereafter, the phone rang, and it was Lyndon Johnson was calling from the White House. And he said, can you get me, John? This is Lyndon Johnson president and here's what she said she said he's sleeping mr president and he said not to disturb him well wake him up i want to talk to him no mr president i work for him not for you he said and when i called the president back he could scarcely control his pleasure he said tell that woman i want her here in the white house Submission. Submission. So this morning as I close this message, I call the worship team back, the young folks that did such a great job this morning. Um, I want to ask a question this morning to each and every one of us. And and when I ask these questions and and I think about this message, I ask it of myself, so please understand me. I ask it of myself. Who are we living for? Who are we living for? Who are we working for? Who are we trying to please? Are we, do we find that our attitude is lined up with our saviors, our Lord, our King? Are we living life in humility, putting the interest of others before ourselves? Are we living selfishlessly? Are we living Sacrificially, Are we living in submission? Because, folks, that's what Jesus did for us. That's why we're saved today. is because he did all of those things. That was his attitude when it came to the Father, and not only to the Father, but as an example for us, a template to live by. And how many know that when we practice these things, and, oh, folks, listen, we're going to need a lot of grace to do that. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to, how many would agree that we haven't arrived? We don't always get it right. Would you agree with that this morning? We don't always get it right. Now, you guys had a song, and I'm going to have to borrow lyrics because I know that there was, actually, I think, um, yeah, it's Majesty. That's the one I want. Majesty. How many would say this morning, Jesus is my savior? Would you lift your hand if if you if Jesus is your savior? Keep it up. If he's your Lord, if he's your King. Is he your example? Are you endeavoring to live in submission to His will and not our own will? I see those hands up this morning. How many would say, I always get it right? Thank you. We're honest. That's great. We don't always get it right. But how many, would like, how many would like to see the fruit of the grace of God as he works these things into our life? We want to see the fruit. We want to see, we want to see Jesus get his reward. We want to be a body of believers whose witness, whose love, whose, whose selflessness, whose humility, whose submission, whose sacrifice makes a difference in the community. That people can see that the kingdom of God is there. That there's something different about this group of people that call themselves Christians, that, that meet at Maple Street Worship Center. There's something different about that group of people. And we can credit and say, it's not us. It's Jesus that's working in us and through us. And this morning... As we sing that song, Here I Am, as we sing Majesty, if you could get that rolling for me on the piano, this would be great. I don't know about you, but I believe that if we can apply what Paul desired for the church at Philippi to apply in their context, if we apply it in our context, I believe that the church will not only be a beautiful functioning organism, but it will be a powerful force for kingdom transformation in this community. But we have a choice to make. Is that what I want for my life personally? Is that what I want in this body of believers? Do we really want to be like Jesus? Do we really want to follow His example? And I'll tell you that the measuring stick is high. Oh, yes, it's high. But here's the issue. The issue is this, is that if we sow and we yield to the Spirit, it will bring life and peace. There is life when we yield to the Spirit. And the Spirit of God, who inspired Paul to write those words to the church at Philippi, is speaking loudly and clearly to us through the Word today. And with the Lord's help, because I surely need the Lord's grace and help. I don't always get it right. In fact, I might not get it right a lot of the time. And so I'm with I'm I'm, I'm t- we're together on this. So the song says, "Here I am, here I am." Can we can we present ourselves afresh to the Lord and say, "Lord, here I am." here I am. I'm not only humbled by your majesty, I'm humbled by your example. For what you've done for me, I want to I reciprocate that. I want to be who you want me to be. I want to be able to love the way you do. I want to be able to be selfless like you. I want to sacrifice like you. I want to live in submission like you do. And guess what? Just like God elevated, he exalted Jesus, he will exalt us. But first, we need to bend the knee. And whether this be in your seat or whether this be here in the front of the church, I, I, I want to invite you to come present ourselves afresh to the Lord. Say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Here I am one more time. Presenting myself before him, a King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, and asking Jesus, Lord, change me. Mold me and make me. Place me upon the potter's wheel. Prune me. Shape me. Mold me into what you want me to be. To have the attitude of Jesus. If that's your heart's desire this morning, I want to challenge you to, to, to do just that as we sing this song and as we make this a, a moment of consecration again to ask God just to be, continue to do a work. Molding and shaping us. Here I am. Here I am. Blah I just feel led that if anybody here needs special prayer, um, you know it's only 20 minutes to 12 Uh, but if anybody needs special prayer uh, for anything um, healing in the body how many believe that the spirit is still here still present, the power of God is is everywhere present in fact and uh, he can heal and he does and maybe there's some of us here that needs encouragement maybe there's something that we struggle with uh, the same power that can heal your physical body can, can free you of things that you're struggling with a lot of people try to get it by on their own but uh, how many know the devil is real demons are real and, and, and they definitely are not your friends and they will try to beat you down and they will try to push you down but there's power to, for deliverance Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. You haven't got that born-again experience. You don't know him. You don't have that assurance. You haven't experienced his grace and love in your life. And, and you, maybe, maybe you're here and, and you know that if anything should happen, that uh, you don't have that hope that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You don't have that settled in your heart. You don't have a peace with God. Well, I want you to know that God loves you so much. That's why he sent Jesus to the cross. So that there can be a way for you to be reconciled with God. Your sin can be dealt with. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But he wants to be reconciled to you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants fellowship with you. He wants you to know him. Because he's the one that made you. He's the one that created you. And he has a purpose and a plan for your life. And he doesn't want you to run away from that because what he has for you is good and sometimes a lot most of the time what we have for ourselves is not and when we give our lives to Christ it totally changes the destiny and if you're here this morning and the spirit is knocking on your heart's door listen i've been there i've been to the place where my hands were where my palms were sweaty and my heart was pounding in my chest and i knew the spirit of god was speaking to me but i was too afraid i was too afraid well, if that's you, but you have that desire in your heart, speak to someone even after the service. Tell them. Tell them that you want to know Christ. You want, And somebody, I know that there's people in here, would lead you to Jesus. But this morning, if you're here and you need prayer at all, any kind of prayer, um, the Bible says to pray one for another. Amen? Amen? To pray one for another. And we can do that. And if there's anybody that needs prayer this morning, just going to leave the, this room, this moment, open for anybody that would want to come. And uh, those who are coming to be prayed for, the, the Bible tells us, pray for one another. So get around some folks. We'll anoint them with oil. We'll, we'll lay hands. We'll pray, and we're going to believe. Because that's what the that's what the family does. Amen? So this is body ministry. Just open it up for that. Um, and I and I believe the Lord teaches us very clearly that there's different giftings in the, within the body of Christ. There's grace that I have that you don't, know, and there's grace that you have that I need. And so it's all about sharing in that, in that grace that the Spirit dispenses to us as He determines. And so if you need prayer today, this it's open. This, this area is open. So anybody that wants to come is welcome to come. Praise His name. Hallelujah.